Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad Good. If this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, I'm not sure why you chose this one, because uh, we're back for part three of three. But if this is your first time, I won't judge you. Um, Basically, me or the guest are talking about a first-time experience. Either both of us or one of us are experiencing something for the first time, and we're going to chat about it. It's really, really simple. So um, no surprise if you click play on this one, you know what this one's about, and I assume you've listened to the first two. Um, Nikki's back. How's it going? Am I allowed to talk? You're always allowed to talk. You told me to not stop my giggling fit before we started recording, so make sure I'm allowed to talk. Yeah, you're allowed to talk, but you need to be a little louder, I'm sure. Okay. I could be louder. There you go. Um, I can't giggle. No giggling. (laughs) Too late. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, as I said earlier, it's probably no surprise that we are back with part three of our three-part Karate Kid series. So tonight, we're talking about the Karate Kid part three. Time has come when a student must question. I know you don't believe in fighting, but this isn't exactly fighting, you know? Not exactly ping pong either. When a teacher must let go. Yagi always train you, but for tournament, cannot. When a conspiracy is planned. You said that if I beat this LaRusso kid in the All Valley tournament, that you give me 25% of your new dojo. When a trap is set. You know how to front sweep? Uh, not really. Do you know how to sweep? Of course. Ah! Or like this. It's no joke. I need your title. You don't enter, that affects my financial future, Daniel. Get it? You think you can rely on that crane crap? Last time you weren't fighting this. Mr. Miyagi loves you. He has faith in you. This guy wants to break you. Humiliate you. Stomp you into the ground. I'm sorry if you don't like it, but I got problems, and if you're not going to be part of the solution, don't give me a hard time about it. No. The man must make a choice, and the kid must become a man. You are going to defend. You're getting in that ring. What am I doing? First he suffers, then he suffers some more. Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita, a John G. Avelson film, The Karate Kid, Part 3. All right. So, Karate Kid, Part 3. This is the end of the Miyagi Daniel trilogy. It is. And... That's sort of sad that we've come to the end, but I was a little nervous that I was losing you in there when I started these. I I expected you to like the first one a little bit more, but then it felt like once we started getting them rolling, you ended up liking them a yeah. little more. So I wasn't sold on the first one. Second one brought me in. The third one, I like. I think. If I had to put them in order, I, I like the second one the best, then the first one, then the third one. Okay, third I was... Third one's not bad, though, so it doesn't deserve last place. I sort of think it's bad, to be honest. Eh, well, I mean, it's there's some cheesy. I mean, there's a lot of cheesy. And the plot's kind of weird, but I don't know. Yeah, um... I'll go through a little bit of detail, so... Uh, Karate Kid 3 was released June 30th, 1989, so that would have been the 4th of July weekend, uh, 89, so the first one was released 84, then we we took two years off, came back with Karate Kid 2 in 86, and now three years have passed. Yeah, I remember when it came out. 
Do you really? No. <laughs> I was really young. <laughs> and so now we're in 1989, like I said, June 30th, um, directed by uh, John Avildsen and written by Robert Mark Kamen, all, same same writer-director as the first two movies, okay. so they brought them back. Um, they did not bring, I think they brought back almost all the producers except for one, and then they, they changed cinematographers um, because the original cinematographer um, died of AIDS. Aww. No, so, I'm sad for the rest of the night. So anyways, uh, rest in peace. That's sad. Um, once again, we have Ralph Macchio back as Daniel for his final role as, uh, as Daniel until Cobra Kai. I was going to say, it's not his final role. Right, but final time as Daniel in the film series. And then we have Pat Morita back as Mr. Miyagi. Not his last role, as we've talked about a few times on the show. He comes back for the next Karate Kid. Um, I don't know. Do you think we should watch that one? Why not? I mean, I, I do remember seeing it as a kid. or I, I know I saw it as a kid, but I don't remember like any of the details other than it's Hilary Swank, it's a girl. And when I was a kid, I thought it was super lame that they let a girl do it. Yeah, that um, is lame. We have Robin Lively as Jessica Andrews, who's the sort of love interest, but not really. Yeah, I kind of like that, where it's not, they didn't really like regurgitate the same Yeah, we didn't, shit. we didn't get the uh, Death Wish. Oh yeah, a new girlfriend every movie. movie. To, to get abused, yeah. I mean, yeah, she, I mean, she's, like you said, sort of the love interest, but she ha- has a boyfriend. Yeah, and we'll get into that a little yeah. bit, because I, I even have some more information on why that was. Um, and then we have Thomas Ian Griffin as Terry Silver, who does a sort of karate, weird um, Paul Rudd. Yes. I probably ruined it when I mentioned that to you, like, when we were watching it. I'm like, he reminds me of Paul Rudd. Is that, like... Uh, internet like has do a lot of people think that i've never i didn't look it up but um i was just wondering like is that a thing yeah i don't know did do you think paul rudd got his personality from watching that karate kid 3 and it's like i highly doubt it he's like this guy kind of looks like me i kind of want to act like him no he he (laughs) acts like um paul rudd's character in Wet Hot American Summer, yes. where he's like cocky and arrogant and loud and stupid. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. And then we have Martin Cove return, returning as Crease. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have Sean Kanan as Mike Barnes, who's the like douchebag karate bad boy with the, the bad uh, sort of buzz cut in this movie. Yeah. Uh, this movie is overly complicated. It is. They have three bad guys, at least. No, three main bad guys, and then, like, a couple small bad guys. And, I mean, the first movie, we had Johnny as the bad guy and Kreese sort of as his sensei. Second movie, we had, you know, I don't remember his name now, but the, the Miyagi's bad guy and then uh, Daniel's bad guy was the other teenager. And this With, one, we yeah. have, like, two adults and a kid and a kid's friends as bad guys. It's like way overly complicated and you were sort of even like when we we're excuse me watching it it's almost confused us to like wait what what is their motivation like why are they yeah it's just they're just why is everybody so pissed off like why are they starting shit all the time 
with Danielson. Yeah, so this movie, even though it picks up three years later and um, Ralph Macchio looks significantly older now, he mm -hmm. still looks young, but he's looking like an adult now. Well, I, some scenes he, I feel like he looks older, and some scenes I feel like he looks younger. Like, he's, he's kind of filled out. Right, he, he's got a little more... Uh, when I was reading, someone was saying that he had like bloat and i'm like i don't think it's bloat they're they're like well he's not more muscular he's just more filled out i'm like well yeah he's you know from I mean, 84 to 89 he's what six years older now or, or five years older it's like he looks yeah he, he's kind of like did he fill out or he kind of looks chunky in the face right and sometimes like i look at him and it's like he kind of looks like like an awkward preteen, like before he hits his growth spurt. Yeah, and <laughs> they're, they're a little chunky. Yeah, and he was twenty-seven when they filmed this. God, he does not look. He's almost thirty, but um, the story picks up right. I mean, it does the whole thing over again. Like watching these as a marathon is, you could you could really save yourself like a half an hour because they do the previously on Karate Kid. Yes, and they do it all over again in this one. It's like. For someone who, I mean, I guess three years later, yeah, probably should put that in there. You know, if you've uh -huh. seen them in the theater three years later, you know, and not everyone could just hit it on Netflix or whatever and watch it instantly like we all can now. You had to have, like, the VHS and whatever. But um, it's just like when we started the third one, I'm like, oh, here we go again. We had to do a 20-minute recap of the first and second movies. And it's kind of... Well, they barely recap the second movie just the very beginning of the second movie where it's like takes off from the very end of the first movie right so it's, it's mostly of, yeah. just a recap of the so, first one yeah you really don't have to watch the second one to get what's going on in the third one yeah it's almost a direct sequel but yeah it does pick up like the second one picks up immediately after the first one and then they skip several months and then this one picks up right as they're getting back from okinawa and they come home and we're back in the land of crease like it this one this seems at the beginning like it's going to be crease's movie um we only saw him at the very beginning of part two where he broke johnny's second place trophy and yeah and uh, got honked <laughs> and then and then he really had no purpose in that movie like yeah they didn't really even need to conclude that but the third movie, we're back to Crease. He's pissed. He's poor. His dojos have all closed, all because of one fucking crane kick. Mm -hmm. um, but to be fair, it's more so on his lame ass dojo and a bunch of bullies. Like, you, yeah. you brought up a bunch of asshole kids and you acted like an asshole. Like, parents aren't going to want to bring their kids to your dojo. So he's down and out. His uh, Cobra Kai is fucked and gone. Uh, rightfully so. And he's poor and he's looking for a way or what to do and i i don't even really remember how i think i think he actually calls him uh his friend terry silver who in the movie is supposed to be a fellow vietnam war vet yeah. with him which is ridiculous <laughs> in 89 that this dude with long black hair and a ponytail who is young as can be was supposed to be a vietnam war vet with crease i'm like whatever um what the does does that match up with the time that I'll get to that later too. Okay. There's there's more there too, but 
the story is Crease shows up at this mansion and we meet this at rich asshole with a bad little 90s ponytail the nub what a horrible fucking trend <laughs> that was uh slick back black hair he's like the 90s rich like robin leach rich he would be on that whatever lifestyles of the rich and famous he would he would be like friends with trump uh he's sitting in a big bathtub with bubble bath he telling people what to do sort of has this is it steven seagal yeah look but right. not like the build right He's, uh, and he's just, he's every fucking, it's like they had a, a checklist to go through of, <laughs> uh, stereotypes for 90s villain assholes. Like, yes. we've seen this guy so many times. He's snarky, he's handsome, he's charming, but he's also a huge piece of shit to everybody. And he has a little ponytail. And he has a little ponytail. And it's like, we don't even really learn about his history as far as how he got rich or what he does. Yeah. We just know that he was in war with Crease and he saved Crease's life. We learned that a few times that he saved or Crease saved his life a few times and so he owes Crease something. So Crease down and out shows up to Terry Silver's house and is like Daniel and Miyagi took everything I have and I want to get them back. So instead of like just making him like go kick his ass or like, I mean he he he's rich he could just like fucking mm -hmm. sue him or do I don't know hire people or something they create this big stupid plan to manipulate right it's it's like overly complicated that's yes. what I it's like it's so confusing because he fucked Crease I mean they they didn't even necessarily fuck Crease I mean Crease shot himself in the foot and got yeah. beat fair and square oh yeah and lost everything because he's a piece of shit. And then he goes running to his rich friend, and he's like, fix my, fix my problems. He could have just gave Crease like, a couple thou, and, like, or, like, let him live in the fucking pool house or something. But he's like, I just bought every Cobra, I just invested in every Cobra Kai dojo. You're going to be the biggest sensei in, again, in California. It's like, he's still an asshole, and the name still has that tarnish yeah. on it, so I don't get why he, you know, pouring money into it isn't the problem. Crease being a piece of shit's the problem. Mm -hmm. But this Terry Silver's like, yeah, let's manipulate. Let's get on the inside. He's a, he's like a sociopath. Yes, that's exactly right. And so he's like... Right. And, and this is how stupid it gets, because he's like, I'm going to... Let's hire somebody. Let's find a kid... Who we can hire to to beat Daniel and take his his um, title away in the All Valley Tournament. So it goes from Crease going to Silver, and then Silver hires a kid to go mm -hmm. beat up Daniel in this tournament. It's like how oh, overly yeah. complicated. He just keeps harassing him until he just like forces him to be in this to tournament with him so he can beat him. Right, and Daniel. At this point, he's still doing karate. He's they do have a scene where he calls his mom and she moved again. Surprise! Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, Daniel's living with staying with Miyagi and training still. But Miyagi doesn't want him to enter the tournament this go around. He's like, you know, karate's still on that stance. Karate's not about points. You don't need to defend your title. You won it once. Um, karate's still for self defense. Go to college. He keeps telling him, go to college. Go to yeah, college. You which have nothing to prove. Right, which I get is the right message, but it's like, once again, I guess it was the late 80s, so it's like, 
you're you're gonna be nothing if you don't go to college, Daniel. So, yeah. But it's like it's bullshit they feed you. Right. <laughs> and so, and Daniel at, at one point is even right. He's like, it will, okay, I'll just go ahead and and get to that point. Is like, uh, Daniel keeps trying to convince Miyagi to open a uh, bonsai tree store because. When they get back from Okinawa, the apartment buildings that he was watching over, he was like the the landlord or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, are being renovated or tore down or something. Yeah. So they, he's pretty much, he's not homeless because somehow, somehow Miyagi can afford this awesome dojo with this yeah. huge garden. Well, of course, when you have child labor, you can do shit <laughs> like that. But um, it's it's like, you know, he's, he's staying with him at this place and you know, Daniel's like, you should open your own bonsai tree store, which I don't know how you could even in any economy survive just on selling bonsai trees. Like I mean, that's an Etsy store. Sorry. I mean, it was a different economy back then. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, if it was actually Pat Morita as Mr. Miyagi <laughs> selling bonsai trees and he was a star in real life, from the Karate Kid film series, he could sell enough bonsai trees to make a living. But um, I think in California, I mean, they have greenhouses and stuff. He'd have to sell other stuff. But anyways, uh, Daniel keeps trying to convince him, and he gets to the point where he takes his money that he won over the summer in Okinawa, breaking ice or glass or whatever with his hands and bets, like dirty money, uh, that he was supposed to spend it on college education. He ends up getting a lease for Miyagi in a really shitty rundown building, signing it without his permission, going behind his back, and getting him a building. Eventually, Miyagi warms up to it when he sees it. Uh-huh. Um, but what the fuck? It's... it's they, they needed something for... To, build a plot for a new movie <laughs> right but it's like the the bonsai thing is really heavy this go around oh yeah um and i remember this one as a kid pretty vividly like i i mean i remember the scene where daniel and the girl are uh, what is it jessica are getting the tree which we'll we'll get to um, as a kid, that freaked me out. Like I, I as a kid, like I sort of held bonsai trees as like this high standard because of these movies. And then, like I never after the movies, I never really heard about them or saw them or anything. They weren't a thing. But um, in this movie, you know, they sort of put the put put it on a pedestal, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, what's crazy is. I, I was thinking about this earlier. So this takes place one year after the Karate Kid. Not even a full year because they're trying to get him to defend his title. So that he's in high school. He's supposed to be 16. That would make Daniel maybe 17. Mm-hmm. How in the hell did he go to a bank and get a lease on a building as, as a 17-year-old with a very small amount of cash? Who signs a Who gives a lease to a kid? It was the eighties. He's in he's in high school. Like you can't you can't go get a lease. He doesn't have any credit. He doesn't have shit. It was the eighties. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how it worked back then. So it could have been legit. Okay, but I mean, I'm not trying to pick apart this movie. There's just so much I question in it. But uh, anyways, at this point, Terry 
goes in disguise himself. Like there's a whole there's a whole scene where he like has his butlers pick out a shitty car for him, a believably shitty car, um, clothes that would make him look like a normal person, and not the rich asshole that he is. Uh huh. Um, so he can go in disguise, but he uses his real name, which is like. If he's this rich and famous, and I know they didn't have Google, but it's like, uh-huh. I just don't, it's like, he's this rich, famous businessman, and he uses his real name, dresses up in some schlub clothes, shows up at Miyagi's dojo, and he's like, oh, I didn't know if you heard that Kreese died, but I wanted to apologize for him. Yeah, he just kind of shows up in his backyard, like, like, and that's something I've noticed, like. A lot of people just show up in this, like, backyard. Right. People just, <laughs> yeah. And and you'll notice that in Cobra Kai, um, it, that trend continues. Like, mm-hmm. people don't knock, people don't call ahead. This guy just shows up with a ponytail, and he's <laughs> pulling all the Paul Rudd charm. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, oh, how are you guys? He bows to them. You know, I trained with the same uh, sensei that Kreese did. And Kreese, you know, he had a lot of problems, and he ended up dying. Um, but... Mm-hmm. I don't remember, did he say he killed himself or something? Um, or? I think he implied something like that. Yeah. And basically, like... He, yeah, say something. He died, and, you know, I wanted to come apologize to you guys, because that's not... He, he wasn't a good representation of the Cobra Kai way, and Miyagi falls for it, and Daniel falls for it. And so now we have our, our plant. He's on the inside. Meanwhile, they hire this butthead looking dude i mean he is just like the this kid they hire the uh mike barnes what a name they find him in the rich uh terry silver finds him in the back of like a martial arts magazine while he's flipping through and he's like the bad boy of karate uh mike barnes which is really weird because this all valley tournament is 18 and under and so this Mike Barnes kid is in magazines known as the bad boy of karate, and he's not even 18, which is sort of weird. But they hire this guy to challenge Daniel, and they offer him a boatload of money. And he's he's a scumbag, too, because they bring him in to talk to Kreese and Terry at Terry's mansion, and they offer him some money. He's, like, negotiating. He's like, nope, not enough. I'm going to walk away. And he's like, good negotiation skills. I'll give you more money. And so he agrees to do it, but they have to make sure that Daniel signs the contract. And here's another really big plot hole that you brought up right away. Because they, throughout the, the entire fucking movie, these assholes, just like the assholes in the first two movies, I think the assholes in the second movie were, were just as insistent. Yeah. But they're trying to get Daniel to sign this contract the entire movie. And they just keep showing up at the bonsai oh, store. and It's they... an application for the t- tournament. Right. And, yeah, Daniel keeps trying. It, it's sort of like a, almost like a field trip, like in, with his parent. Because Daniel keeps yeah. asking Miyagi to sign. Miyagi has to sign off on it. And he won't. And he keeps telling him no and keeps telling him no. Uh, and Daniel keeps wanting to do it. Finally, Daniel decides, Miyagi's right. I'm not going to do it. We're going to invest our time and money into this store. And then this asshole comes along and he's like, you want to fight me? You got to defend your title. And Daniel is just trying to be like, no, I don't want to. And this guy's like hitting women, destroys the whole fucking bonsai store, yeah. pulling fucking, uh, they're doing like cookies out in front of the store, like, <laughs> like burning out, like just being general assholes. He has, I forget his friend's name, 
but he has a friend who wears like a bucket hat and sunglasses and he's a fucking douchebag too <laughs> and uh yeah it's just really over the top and stupid but like i said this movie is overly complicated i feel like i'm just rab like rambling at this point but what was your the plot hole that you said i mentioned oh like they keep trying to force him to the point where they like hold like knives to his throat and shit they're about ready to kill daniel if he doesn't sign this thing i mean there's a point where they're over a cliff and they're threatening to drop him and the girl mm -hmm. if he doesn't sign this thing that's how they get it and you're like why doesn't daniel just sign it and not show up yeah i mean they did mention like i think maybe after he signed it like don't you think about like flaking out you're really good at then but it's like i would just like at some point just sign it and and then like just buy time between then and the tournament not show up and just fucking kill them when they come after me i would probably <laughs> after the first time they like kick in the door of, of the bonsai store interrupt him and the girl and uh basically pick a fight i would call the police and be like he stole all of the, he steals all the bonsai trees from mm -hmm. uh, from miyagi's dojo i'll just call the police and be like i need a restraining order this guy hit a woman he stole all of our fucking trees he broke all of our shit in our place like restraining order done you're you move on well actually he does go to the police at one point where he's like i'm just fed up with this i'm going to the police and it's just like almost like you forget like oh yeah you can do that yeah <laughs> it's like that's what... not everything is uh <laughs> contested with a fist fight yeah and then and then after he's like oh the police kind of just laughed at me he said to look into it which is believable right <laughs> yeah it's not that far-fetched but it's like at the point where they stole all the bonsai trees, left the, like, contract hanging, and then they threatened, like, if you told them, like, if you told the cops, like, they hung us over a cliff and threatened to drop us, they might do something. You yeah. have the guy's name, and I guess you could argue that Terry Silver's so rich that he might have some cops in his pocket yeah. or something. Uh, it's hard to beat rich people, but, yeah, there's a point where they, after they steal all the bonsai trees from Miyagi's yard, which... Why do they need a storefront when Miyagi has all the trees at his yard? Like, he has a beautiful place. He could sell the bonsai trees right well, there. Well, you th used to have to have a storefront for everything because that's how... How who how people shopped? Yeah, how people shopped. Yeah, so after he does all that shit, they don't have any money. And Daniel wasted... Or, yeah, wasted... Invested all of his college tuition into... Uh, getting the lease on this busted ass janky place. Uh, Daniel's freaking out because he's like, we're going to go under. So Miyagi had told him a story about the only true bonsai tree in California. And um, he, he planted it on the side of a, like a mountain. It's not even, what do you even call that? Um, like a ravine something? Yeah. He tells him like he, he buried it on this, or he planted it on the spot where it gets perfect sunlight. Like it's basically the most optimal location where it's going to get the best water sunlight and be away from people. So it's way down this cliff into this big, like I said, ravine or something like waterfall, beautiful mm -hmm. place where you have to, it's of course conveniently incredibly dangerous to get down to because they doesn't want anybody to get to it. Um, 
lucky for Daniel, the girl across the street that runs a pottery store, how convenient yeah, in the first place yeah, that they, she can create yeah. all the pots for the trees. She also is a rock climber. Yeah. And so she's like, hey, let's go down. And well, actually, Daniel's like, can you take me down to get that bonsai tree, rip it out of the ground and sell it so we can start our bonsai store open, you know, so we can buy more trees and, and fix shit. I mean, right away you were like, what a horrible idea. Miyagi's going to be pissed. This yeah. is a very bad idea. But they decide to go ahead and do it. And it has pretty much disastrous results. Mm-hmm. I mean, Daniel's never done this before. And she's like, yeah, let's go down the steepest, most dangerous fucking cliff ever. Yeah, and it was going fine. Yeah, they had a few slips. And they get down, and they eventually, they do get the tree out, but right as they get the tree out, the bullies show up. Yeah, of course. Like, it's middle of nowhere. Like, how how the fuck? They're following him, obviously. Yeah, but just get up. All these bullies need to get a fucking life in these movies. Yeah, three, I mean... You think about, you know, in our terms, we're watching this and it's like, okay, over three years or whatever, or all these years are doing it. But no, in the time of this movie, this has been less than one year he's gotten bullied by, uh, by the first, what's the guy's name in the first movie? I'm already drawing a blank, but, uh, Mm -hmm. the Cobra Kai, then he's getting bullied in Okinawa by that group. And now he's getting bullied by this karate asshole, Mike and his friends. And it's like. What the fuck? Like, poor Daniel, you know? I mean, he, he he's pretty good, but, uh, you know, you can only put up with it so much. Yeah, like, I might be jumping ahead, but Daniel just starts getting kind of bitter and angry in this one. But it's like, can you blame him? It's like, every... He just... He can't... Can't catch a break. He No, he just can't live his fucking life without people trying to kick his ass. Just... Yeah, I mean, he he meets this girl across the street, and it it has a sort of weird twist where she has a picture on the wall of her, like, rock climbing, and the guy's face is ripped off the picture, and Uh Daniel's like, so what's with that? And this girl's pretty, like, aggressively coming on to him. She's like, what are you you doing for dinner tonight? Well, you know, where do you, all this stuff, and then he's like, why is the guy's face ripped off? And she's like, oh, you know, it's complicated, but I, and then when he goes to pick her up, she's like, I think you should know I have a boyfriend. I think she got she got back together with that boyfriend. Between then and... Yeah. Okay. And he's like, but we, we could still be friends. He's like, yeah, so they're friends. Yeah, so she lives above the pottery place in her own apartment for the summer. And then she's moving back to, like, Ohio or something, I think yeah. is what she said. But it's not even his girlfriend. These guys, like, end up punching her and he's defending her. It's all the same shit. So he's going through all the same shit he did with the other girls. Um but with new assholes. And meanwhile, this entire time, this Terry Silver guy comes into play. But we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about him a little bit. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www 
thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, and we're back. So this entire time, that Terry Silver guy that we mentioned earlier, who is the greasy asshole that looks like Paul Rudd with a ponytail, he's slowly like getting into Daniel's head because Miyagi found out that Daniel signed the contract, which he shouldn't be mad about. Daniel had no option. Mm -hmm. These guys harassed him to the point of he had to. They, they literally threatened his life and another person's life. And Miyagi still won't train him. He's like, well, that sucks for you. I'm not training you for this, which, bullshit. Sorry, Miyagi. Yeah. <laughs> like, complete horseshit. Uh, so this Terry Silver guy, he promised Kreese he would, like, make Daniel suffer. So not only are these fucking kids harassing him and wanting to beat his ass, and Daniel doesn't even question why. He doesn't ask, like, why do you want to fight me so bad? The only reason this this kid wants to beat Daniel's ass is because he's get, he gets paid if he does. Mm-hmm. But this silver dude is is slowly manipulating him. He's like, oh, you know, let me show you sweeps. You didn't learn it sweeps from Miyagi. And there's a really dumb boomer joke where he's like, he's like, Miyagi, can you teach me sweeps? And Miyagi gets a broom and he's like, yes, I teach you sweep. <laughs> but he probably like, he's like, literally, I can teach you how to sweep if you do this chore. Right. Like I he taught you anything, right. everything else. Yeah, right. He probably give him the broom. And then like an hour later, he's like fucking like tripping, <laughs> tripping these dudes all over the place. But, uh, oh man, Daniel's, Daniel's and, over it. Oh, he's just like he, that. He did not find any humor in that. No. Hey, Jessica. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Mr. Miyagi. Listen, I have a favor to ask of you. Daniel-san, look, Jessica make. Beautiful, huh? You like? Yeah, I stayed up all night firing you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I saw one the other night. They're great. They're great. Listen, I have a favor to ask of you. I, I just want to ask you, do you know how to sweep? Of course. Would you, would you mind showing me how? I mean, I'm not asking you to train me. I don't want you to train me. Just, just this one thing. Just this one thing. I'd be so appreciative. All you have to give me is this one thing. That's it. That's it. Please. Please, please, please. You got to do it. Be a pal. You wait here. I'll be right back. Where, where are you going? Just wait here. This is great. This is great. Mr. Miyagi's going to teach me front sweeps, right? I found yeah. out from this guy, the guys who fight in these tournaments, they're mm -hmm. suckers for front sweeps. They're really? I mean, if I, if I get that down, man, I'm... Well, sir, you hold like this. First, left, <laughs> It's no joke, all right? You don't want to show me, you don't show me. Just don't make fun of me, all right? Sorry for asking. Don't worry, it won't happen again. And the girl, the girl like laughed. She thought it was funny. And, and, <laughs> That'd be me. And, and yeah, and then Miyagi thought it was he was pretty good. He was like he, he burned him pretty good. And then uh, <laughs> Daniel gets really pissed and jumps in his his car and he's out of there. He's he's had enough. So he ends up basically like slowly this this uh, silver dude. I keep calling him silver dude. Terry Silver, the scumbag. Uh, is slowly like teaching him a few moves, and then it becomes like, well, I can train you if you're gonna be in this tournament, and you want to beat this uh, Mike guy. You need much better training. You can't just do it on your own. You can't train on your own. You're gonna lose your title. You're gonna get your ass whooped because he's gotten his ass whooped by him and by Terry Silver every time they're around. So he basically infiltrates him and gets him to the dojo. Uh, actually, so Daniel's at a Cobra Kai studio training, mm -hmm. which is weird. 
um, to see him training not with Miyagi. And obviously, very quickly, Daniel starts to realize, like, this this dude is not what he showed on the surface. Like, he was all chipper and nice and sweet and wanted to be helpful. He brought Daniel a book. And, you know, he even, like, they even set up a fake, like, thing where uh, Mike showed up at, I think, at the... Miyagi's dojo and then Terry Silver came in and saved him and was like what was that guy's problem who's that even though they know each other and he paid him Uh, so they set up this whole trap and Daniel's there and he's teaching him moves but in the meantime Daniel thinks he's teaching him moves but he's actually hurting him he like sets up this like wooden dummy and gets him to punch it over and over again till his knuckles bleed and he's getting him to kick this thing and hurting his shins and ankles so he's basically intentionally letting Daniel beat himself up which is really weird because it's like, yeah, but he's also toughening him up too. Yeah, it's like, it's it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's like the strategy is like, could, don't you think this could backfire? <laughs> right, like you're you're teaching him to be more ruthless, like. Uh huh. And then it's like this. Depending on that, they're counting on that he's gonna injure himself badly, which it's like. You don't know that. Right, or that he's, yeah, that he, I mean, yeah, it's a really weird strategy. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't even need the the silver thing. We should have just had Kreese, like, hire this kid to beat Daniel in the tournament. Yeah. Like, this, this whole Terry Silver dude is really an unneeded character. What are you wasting your time with Kata for? Didn't I tell you it's useless in a tournament? Oh, yeah, but huh? it's, yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir, you're right. I'm sorry. Alright, come over here. Let's get back to learning something that can do some real damage. Rule number three. A man can't see, he can't fight. If you hit him square in the nose, he'll be blinded by his tears and choke on his own blood. Now here's how it works. You wait till your man is attacking. And when he's close enough, aside! Yeah, but that would be face contact. I'd be disqualified. That doesn't help. Well, he out. ran into your fist. Not your fault, right? Huh? Well, he can't continue. That means you win. <laughs> you like that, Mr. LaRusso? Yeah, I like that. Good. Give it a shot. Let's try it over here. And your friend. Reverse punch. Ah! Visualize. This is not a bunch of sticks and pipes anymore. This is a living, breathing, fighting machine that wants to detach your head from the rest of your body. blood so what make believe it's his this guy wants to break you humiliate you stomp you into the ground now what are you gonna do about it no let's do it And it's really weird because it's just dark and it's sort of mean spirited. Like there's not oh, there's not yeah. a lot of like light in this movie. Where the like the second movie, like Okinawa is really nice and his uh, his girlfriend was really sweet and there was like young love and he was learning about the culture. In the first movie, he he had his girlfriend there. Uh, this one, he has like one friend. Miyagi turned his back on him. Uh, yeah, and then like um, Miyagi noticed. Like, Daniel's, like, getting, like, beat up. 
and his knuckles and, you know, his foot hurting and, like, he knows what's going on. And it's almost, it's like, in a way, it's like he knows that he's out seeing another. Yeah, he cheated on him. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's out an cheating. Affair. And it's just, he gives him the special stuff that helps his, um hand and his foot and stuff yeah and there's like this liquid stuff yeah there's a real weird um part in this movie that's sort of like a not a sexual tension but it's like there's a relationship there and it's awkward because daniel's sneaking in at night after training yeah and it's like miyagi catches him a few times and it's like is is are you guys married like yes that's that's the vibe i was getting like, they're a couple, and he's like, are you cheating on me, Daniel-son? <laughs> there, there's a part where that uh, that uh, Terry Silver breaks into the house to... Uh, I forget what he's even taking, but he's looking at all of Miyagi's stuff, and uh, Miyagi and Daniel come home, and he has to hide in the fireplace. Yes. It's really awkward. Like, what is this? This is just not... It's not Karate Kid, well, man. Well, even, it, like, Daniel's trying, like... Um, he has all these, you know... It, injuries little yeah. injuries and he's trying to hide them and it's like Miyagi is like knocking on the door and he's like oh shit and he's like hiding things he's like okay come in yeah. just he hides his foot under a pillow yeah. and Miyagi comes in and he's like what happened to ankle mm-hmm. he's like oh yeah you know skateboarding or something stupid like every 80s yeah. kid like comes up with the worst excuse and then later he sneaks that powder away from Miyagi to soak his elbow in and spills it all over the floor and Miyagi has to hide knows the whole... he took it. Right, yeah. Like, Miyagi's the smartest human alive in this series. <laughs> he knows everything you're doing. He knows exactly... But he does get tricked by uh, by Terry. He does fall for Terry at the beginning. Eventually he puts two and two together. Um, but... We, we did talk about the, the bonsai tree scene pretty... I think we covered that pretty well, but uh, I feel like we sort of got distracted in the middle of that. But it's just... There's so much. Like, Daniel Daniel goes down to collect that bonsai tree, and they're pulling him up, or, or they're they're going to ratchet up. These guys basically say, like, you're, you're stuck down there unless you sign the contract. Mm-hmm. They eventually agree to. They bring him up, and then the motherfuckers snap the bonsai tree. Yeah. And that's, like, the most horrifying... Like, that's more terrifying than seeing, like, any bones break in this movie. Because that tree is, like... It's valuable. It's very valuable. It's old. And it represents, like, everything Miyagi loves in life. Yeah. It's like, oh. Like, why'd you have to do that? Why couldn't you just, like, punch the girl in the face or something? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, these bullies are just over the top. Like, I don't know. Like, I've seen bullies throughout my life, but... Yeah. They're just huge assholes. But, uh... (laughs) Of course, Daniel rushes back with the tree and admits what he did, and Miyagi's like, me fix, and he wraps some tape on it and probably, like, rubs his hands on it and, of course, puts it in a pot. And then, you know, of course, there's some more humor there where these bonsai trees start coming in, and Daniel's like, where are these bonsai trees coming from? Where did you get the money? He's like, sold one of my 14 fucking trucks because Daniel forgets that Mm -hmm. Miyagi has an entire goddamn car lot. And then Daniel feels stupid that he risked his life. But um, anyways, back to the original plot. Miyagi finally figures out that, or he, he knows that Daniel's going to his other training facility and, and training behind his back. He shows up at the dojo to save his life, of course. 
um, he actually physically throws, doesn't he throw the silver guy through the front door? Yeah. And stomps in, and he ends up whooping um, everyone's ass. He throws Terry Sil- Terry through, like, a mirror, and he fucks up Crease and the fucking little shit Mike. He beats all their asses, doesn't even, you know, get touched. And if, there's that really funny scene, we laughed at it, it was like, they're just like standing in the dojo. They all just got their ass beat by Miyagi and they're laughing hysterically like they won or something. Oh, yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? They're, they're pretty stupid. Danny, Danny, Danny. From the moment you met me, I've been making you do things you didn't want to do. What are you talking about? What am I talking about? Yeah, what? Let's show them what I'm talking about. Nobody's talking about shit, Ed. We have an agenda here, Daniel. It's really very simple. You guys are crazy. Either you fight one fight on one day, or you fight every day for the rest of your life. What's it going to be, Danny boy? It's going to be. I'm not going to be there. So just forget about it, all right? (laughs) 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 Let's show Mr. Crease how he's going to get his business back. Hey, I'm not going to fight. You can't make me fight. You don't have to. You can just stand there and let him kick your ass. Do the crane, Danny boy. You're doing this to yourself, man. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. You want to see some more? I want to see a lot more. Bring him back. You see his face? See the trail? I think he peed in his pants. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're... and the Terry guy, like when he was fighting, he's doing the very Aww. yeah, Aww. <laughs> it's like the very stereotypical karate sounds that like when kids think they know karate, right? They make those sounds, and, and he Aww. makes he makes the hand motions too, where he's like like swooping his and hands, like, are, and, and I can like, are we supposed to think this is funny, or is this supposed to be intimidating? Does he think it's funny, or I, does he think it's intimidating? I think. In the sense, in the late 80s, like, that wasn't way overdone. I mean, it was, because uh-huh. 70s were the time of kung fu movies, but I think Terry Silver was supposed to represent, like, a step up. Like, we have... Every movie, we get, like, a new level of badass mm-hmm. that's supposed to be the guy that can beat uh, Miyagi. And we get this guy who's not only very sleek and quick and smart, also rich, so it's like this guy has it all. So like when he does that, it's sort of like, oh, a new like he he has a new technique of karate, <laughs> and it just comes off as ultra cheesy. But yeah, at that point Miyagi's like, okay, fuck these dudes, I'm training you. So uh-huh. they of course do the the montage where he's like with Miyagi and Daniel up on like a mountain. They don't even show them how they get onto this mountain, but they're doing their you know, breathe in and breathe out and, you know, more like yoga than actual karate. And, uh, and of course it goes back to the Mike, his opponent, and he's like just punching heavy bags and breaking boards and being (laughs) your typical badass. And so it's sort of showing the two yin and yang of training karate, um, to get us ready for the big match, which we eventually get to. And they, and there's so many stupid rules in this one. Like, they're like, oh, Daniel's the returning champion. He doesn't have to fight. He only has to fight once. Yeah. So there's this whole entire tournament, 
and you can win eight matches in a row, get to the final match, and you you get a you get a title shot. Which I guess in like mixed martial arts is sort of like that, but the champion still is defending their title, so it's like it's weird that you have to win so many matches in this tournament to get a shot at the champion. Like I, I, I don't know. I guess he's defending his belt, but it seems like he should start at the bottom too, and it should just be who wins. So I got a question like this. I'm thinking of like how I would handle the situation, which. Okay, so it starts with, like, don't do the tor- tournament. You have nothing to prove. So, um, what, what would, ha- what's the worst that can happen? He loses his title, and so what? So what? Right. Yeah, I mean, so, this, the whole, I, the whole message of the movie was supposed to be, like, karate isn't about belts and, and trophies yeah. and horseshit, and then, like, it comes down to it when eventually Miyagi trains him to win again. Yeah, so, like, if it was me, I would, if if I was harassed to the point, I would have to sign that um, sheet. Like, I'd be like, you know, fuck it. And I go there, I go to the fight, and then I just play dead and forfeit. Right. And I don't know how, how to forfeit in karate matches, but, like, I'd be like... If you want that bad, here, there you fucking go. Right. Or I'd be like, yeah, I'll try to kick this guy's ass, and if he gets it, oh well. But then I think <laughs> with these guys, there's like no rules, so it's like mm-hmm. if you try doing that, they would just wait in the parking lot and beat your ass worse. I don't know. Oh, it's like maybe just let him win. It's like, okay, good for you. I'm going to like sell bonsai trees and be happy. <laughs> you And you could have your title. Right. Yeah, I don't even think the title was... That's the thing, though. I don't even know if the title was, like, the thing. Because we get to that match, and, of course, you know, Mike kicks everyone... Mark, Mike, the, the karate bad boy, Barnes, kicks everyone's ass. And they have this big grand plan where they are going to let... Like, they, they basically tell Mike... Mike's there to hurt Daniel. So, it's like, score a point, let Daniel score a point. And they go back and forth, but he's like, it's like, let Daniel score a point, and then, um, you, you score a point, but then, like, do an illegal blow that will hurt him, so then you lose the point. But, like, basically, bend the rules so you don't get disqualified, but you hurt Daniel. And so, it's actually a pretty decent plan if you're just there to fuck up Daniel, but it also is a really dumb plan if you want to win the title, because they put it down to one strike at the yeah. end, and it's like... You're tied. Sudden death. The next strike wins, of course. And uh, as you can guess, Daniel fucking gets the strike. And I don't, I don't even really remember the move. It was like yeah. not even a cool crank kick, which they they make fun of in this movie. Like someone's like that crank kick bullshit won't work. Didn't they say it was illegal? Yeah. Yeah. It's like or something. It's not, yeah. Not even yeah, but uh, it's just it's it's a dumb sort of rehash of the ending of the first movie it's just a sort of dumb movie in general they of course daniel wins the bad guys lose when everybody goes home happy i guess Uh, i'm but like what would stop them right from continuing yeah it's like why not do a a part four where it's like they try even harder to win this goddamn tournament right or even like at that point you know daniel the next movie, Daniel would be too old to be in the tournament, so they could just make it. And and I guess they probably learned from the endless Rocky sequels, but it's like, 
they try to do a Rocky in the streets where like Rocky had sort of gotten into himself too much and then lost the belt and lost everything yeah. he had because he he took advantage he like didn't uh take advantage or he was he was filthy rich and didn't appreciate it so he ends up on the street and he trains this young guy coming up and then he ends up having a, a street fight but that's rocky anyways um i'm not really sure it's just sort of like they ran out of ideas and they just wanted to cash in this definitely feels mm-hmm. like there's a scene i mean really dumb scenes that are so 80s like there's a scene where daniel buys the girl tickets to go see a band at a club uh and it's like her last night there so he's like i'm gonna buy you tickets we're gonna have a good night before you head back home and they get there and daniel or and uh yeah daniel and the girl uh jessica are there and of course terry's there as as terry and he sets this whole thing up and pays this guy to go start a fight with with daniel and daniel because he's been training with this badass terry silver instead of miyagi uh breaks this guy's nose and so he ruins his rep with the girl he looks like a complete asshole and he has mm-hmm. to run away before they call the cops on him. He goes home and he just feels awful about it to the point where he's calling the hospital looking for this guy. He wants to apologize because he's still a good guy inside. Yeah. But it just, I think that was basically made to show like that Daniel's still a good person. Yeah. But it's he's also... Just, he's just getting... Keeps getting pushed and pushed and he's just kind of... Uh, aggression's kind of popping out of him. yeah and it's just but like what i was saying about like typical 80s is just like so many stereotypes like that whole club scene and like there's like a a fist fight and just there's so many like the band that's playing is really bad they all have like turtlenecks and are playing like guitars and shit and just (laughs) this movie like i feel like the first two movies don't you can tell they're made in the 80s but they don't have that yeah, they don't bleed into it like this yeah, one does. Yeah, they're this, not that dated. Yeah, this one, for some reason, feels older than the other two. It's just, it has a lot more cheese to it. A lot more uh, shit. I don't know. It's just not mm-hmm. as, like, it feels like, you know... It's a product of its time. Exactly. And that's not a good thing. Like, <laughs> you know, we still have everybody, but it feels like they're phoning it in at this point. Uh-huh. Like, you, you know that Pat Morita's not going to get an, an Oscar nom for this one. It's not serious at all. It's just the the uh mike character is and terry are both so over the top villains like just um unbearable turds uh so yeah that's pretty much the movie (laughs) we we got there eventually but um this one's your least favorite you'd say yeah yeah i I I enjoyed it still i i liked it growing up a lot more because i wasn't so critical of how films are made um so re-watching it now i sort of went into it knowing i didn't want to tell you like this is the most hated one in the series it's sort of not quite as i mean back to the future three is also sort of like the least liked one in the Mm -hmm. series but it's it's still loved this one not so much people sort of shit on this one a lot uh they sort of hate on it and feel like it's um an abomination compared to the first two sort of like a home alone three i guess you would say yeah but i can go through some of the stuff i found online that i think is pretty interesting um first had a budget of 12.5 million and made 38.9 million so it still did very well and so i'm i think if everybody on set would have enjoyed making this one a little more um they probably would have made another one but i think they milked milked all for all they could and then like mid 90s maybe they made the so another you know 
five or six years later, they made another one without uh, Ralph Macchio, who went on to do other things. And At what age did he start looking his age? He still doesn't, man. Yeah. I mean, we... Uh, full disclosure, we started watching... I, I've already seen every one of them, but Nikki started, and I've watched with her, uh, Cobra Kai. And it's just incredible, like, that Ralph Macchio's the same age as Pat Morita was in the first season of Cobra Kai. He's actually older than... So he's... What is he, like, now 50-something? Yeah, yep. I mean, yeah, you, you could kind of tell he... I don't know. I don't know if I would say he's... 50 him and um what's his name johnny from the first one are yeah. both look very good for their age yeah but anyway yeah but um ralph macchio's character here's here's the story behind the girl ralph macchio's character was supposed to have a romantic relationship with the character of jessica played by robin lively but he at he asked to have the relationship be platonic because he didn't want to, his wife to be jealous. Oh. Also, the age difference was uncomfortable because Ralph uh, Macchio was 27 during filming and she was only 16. Oh my god. Yeah, so he was 11 years older than her. And they she, looked the same age. She did not look 16. No, and he does not look 27. <laughs> so it's it's just totally weird. So I can understand why they did that. Yeah. But I would think they would just try to cast an older girl. Because mm-hmm. it, it is just a weird thing in the movie that it's like a friendship. Because it sort of takes the stakes down. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, I, I don't know, I kind of like it. Like, a guy and a girl could just be friends. Right. But, yeah, that's weird. Like, <laughs> I just can imagine just, like, being 27. It's like, I'm supposed to be, I don't know, looking at a 16-year-old like, this feels yeah absolutely illegal (laughs) and it's sort of funny like you know as an actor he was like i don't want my real life wife getting jealous yeah it's like come on dude you're an actor yeah that's part of the thing like anyways uh it's okay ralph he he ralph now plays him uh daniel again on on cobra kai and has a wife so i don't know how they deal with that maybe he got a divorce i don't don't know know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe maybe he really just didn't want. He just used that as an excuse. Like, uh, my wife will be jealous, and she's fucking sixteen. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sean Cannon, the uh, Mike that played Mike Barnes, he uh, beat out two thousand other martial artists hopefuls for that part. So yeah. I don't know how they did. How no way they auditioned two thousand martial artists to uh, play that role. But I don't know if they. They were clearly looking for an actual, like, martial artist, and he was one. So he was not an actor. He was a real martial artist, and you can sort of tell because he sucks at acting. Um, while filming, Sean Cannon performed his own stunts, including one wherein he lunged forward and landed on his stomach for 20 takes. Wow. After taking aspirin for four days to deal with residual pain, he fell unconscious and uh, got hospitalized. He was diagnosed with internal bleeding caused by a torn abdominal wall. Damn. So, uh, really made him work for it. Yeah. Um, no kidding. Yeah, so after answering an opening... Here's, here's sort of answers my question earlier. After answering an opening casting call for Karate Kid Part 3, Sean Cannon was called back for a screen test with Ralph Macchio. I wanted them to remember me, he said, so I backed Macchio into a corner and wouldn't let up. So he's, he sort of bullied him at the audition, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, in the original script, Daniel's mother was never mentioned or seen in the movie. 
Um, it was Ralph Macchio's idea that they have a scene of Daniel having a telephone conversation with his mother explaining her absence that Daniel's that she went to New Jersey to take care of a sick uncle, which is a really dumb scene, too. Yeah. Uh, it, it's nice to see her back because I felt like she sort of got shafted in the second movie. She should have mm-hmm. been there. But the the scene is, is like, so... I don't know if it's supposed to be funny. It's really stupid. Like, she's talking to Daniel on the phone and his uncle's in the background coughing and he's, like, choking and he's ringing a bell. <laughs> yeah. It's also, like, you didn't need it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean... Just didn't need the sick uncle excuse. Could have been like uh-huh. she got a new job and Daniel's old enough now to live on his mm-hmm. own. So, I don't know. It, the, the attempt at humor was really bad. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe we're a little more sensitive now because of COVID or something. But uh, <laughs> it was like just a weird take. Uh, I don't know how true this is. I saw it on IMDb and no one contested it. But it says Paula Abdul was the dance choreographer for this film. What 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 dancing was there? There was at dancing the club? in the club and there was some dancing. I mean. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like a weird fact. Like, she was famous at that point. 89, I would think, right? Yeah, but that this was a big movie. Yeah. Like, but you would think if you had Paul Abdul, you would do, like, the, the Practical Jokers movie and put her on screen. S- I was going to say, <laughs> Impractical, if Impractical Jokers can get her, yeah. why can't Karate Kid 3? True. Um, this is the film debut of Thomas Ian Griffith, who is terry silver get this okay okay this is this is wild to me when i read this so terry silver playing the adult who was a vietnam veteran with crease okay film debut of thomas ian griffith who portrayed a vietnam veteran in real life griffith was only was only 13 years old when the vietnam war ended at the time of this movie was made thomas was also four months younger than ralph macchio who played a teenager. What? Yeah. Terry was 10 years old when the U.S. stopped sending troops to Vietnam in January 1973. So he was four months younger than than uh, Daniel. And he's playing like this influential adult to him. That's wild. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> am I reading that right? He's four months younger than Dan? Not, I mean, even four months older would be unbelievable. But he's younger. He's, no, yeah, one definitely looks like an adult, and one definitely looks like a child. Right, one's playing a high schooler, one's playing a Vietnam War vet. What the fuck? And they're the same age. <laughs> the yeah. house where Terry lives is actually the Ennis House, a home designed by Frank Lloyd Wright in 1924. The house has been used in multiple films, but most notably as the original House on Haunted Hill um, with uh, Vincent Price. And also in Blade Runner and the Grand Canyon. So this house is famous, too. That's neat. Jonathan Adelson, son of the film's director, uh, John Adelson, screen-tested for the part of Mike. He was one of the 2,000 that didn't get it. Uh, But he did such a good job that the role of Snake Silver, uh, Terry's son, was created especially for him. So um, I did forget to sort of mention that his son was the one that was, like, hanging out with the bad boy karate dude. Oh, okay. Like, he was the one that had the fancy car that did the spin-outs in front yeah. of him. Yeah. Like, that explains why he had a cool car and cool clothes and stuff. Uh-huh. That's actually supposed to be Terry's son. I sort of forgot that. Uh, according to John Avelson in a 2000 interview, he himself was no fan of this movie, so the director himself was not a fan. He considered it a horrible imitation of the first movie, which will baffle those who haven't seen the first two films and insult those who have. He agreed with star Ralph Macchio that making this picture was a miserable experience, largely because the screenplay 
was hastily written and sloppily rewritten, which is a risk- risky procedure at best, and for us, it was deadly. Well, damn. So Ralph Ralph Macchio, I didn't put that, I don't think, in here, but uh, he said it was a miserable experience because he didn't think the script was there. He thought that the story was really sort of stupid and lacking and that they were just making it to make it. Um, so when they got the set, he was not really into it. Um, the director was not really into it. And so it sort of shows on screen that they're just sort of phoning it in. Uh-huh. Um, I see that. Yeah, so, and once again, I, I sort of mentioned this earlier, but this is supposed to take place one year after the events of the first Karate Kid. In the first film, we see Daniel turn 16 because he gets a car for his birthday. Um, so one year later, he'd be 17, yet he was supposed to go to college. Most 17-year-olds don't go to college. Well, some are maybe young, like, y- the youngest of their class or maybe a grade ahead. Yeah, some 17-year-olds go to college. And, and they also bring up... Um, if he's still under 18, which he had to be to defend the title in the All-Valley Under-18 Tournament, how did he secure a lease with a real estate agent for a bonsai mm-hmm. store? I don't know. He can't mm-hmm. He can't legally bind to a contract if he's under 18. But movie magic, you know, we have to sort of be uh, a little, suspend our belief for a little bit. Yeah. I mean. If that fucking guy walked into your bank, you'd be like, you can't get a loan, you're 12. And he'd be like, I'm 27. <laughs> it's like... I'm 27, Miyagi. <laughs> relook his ID. He's like, yeah, this is fake. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I know like a lot of kids' movies, like, there's so many things like the kids do that kids can't do. But you... And like this... Blank check. But yeah, but like, for this series, it's, you know, pretty based on reality so it's yeah and i don't like to just shit on movies i love the first two movies and i still enjoyed this one uh i just there's a lot of stuff that they i mean it's clear like after i read this stuff and found out that the the director and ralph everybody was sort of like this one sucks yeah it doesn't surprise me my brother loved this one growing up and we watched it a lot and bonsai trees were like i said uh something i thought were much cooler than they ended up being I kind of want a bonsai tree now. I probably can't take care of it. It, it according to the the movie, like rewatching these, it's like they they there's a point where they're just basically pulling up like little pine trees and they're snipping them and wiring them together. And I'm like, yeah, what? What is that like? But the, the place is called Miyagi's Little Trees, so maybe like he sells different kinds of trees. But he was explaining that he takes these pine trees and they're not real bonsais. They cut them up and he like puts their branches, like wires them up and stuff. So it's like I Imitation? have to I have to do a little bit of research on figuring out what that's all about because it's like that's why the one on the mountainside was such a big deal because it was like the only true bonsai tree in california because they only grow it, he brought that miyagi brought that one from okinawa like they grow there mm. so all the ones he was selling are bullshit bonsai trees and then it was really wild when he like sold his truck to get more f- inventory he just buys them from somewhere well if he's a <laughs> if he has a bonsai <laughs> store where's he buying them from another bonsai store and marking them up that's true like, where is he had to order them from somewhere local because they deliver like that. And yeah. And they're bringing in a truckload of them. It's like, you're just a middle, you're just a middleman. You're cranking you're up. Fake. Yeah, you're cranking up the prices. I mean, I know that's sort of how something. business is, but it's like, 
you, if you're just ordering them, what's so special about them at this point? Yeah, they're getting I mean, pre-made. unless they're from a, like a place far away where it's like, you know, location. I don't but know. But they're not because he they get stolen and like the next day is when Daniel decides to descend yeah. down the mountain, get the tree. That's when he brings it in panicking and then they bring in the other ones. Mm-hmm. I did. It's just ordered them from Amazon. Right. Calm yeah. Down. Yeah. Chill out. We just ordered more <laughs> fake bonsais from Amazon. Or went. To, I ran to Lowe's real quick and picked up a few. Um, but we both noticed like how badass Daniel's coat is when he's uh, going hiking. It's like a bright orange bomber jacket. Yeah. And of course, I had to read about it. I was like, "What is with the jacket?" I googled it, and it was a big thing. What it was was like a military jacket, a real military jacket, and he's wearing it inside out. They lined them with orange, okay. which I have a bomber jacket that's lined yeah. with orange. And I was like, oh, and they said that that, spe- that specific one that he's using was a real military jacket. And they would do that so that um, in other spots, like if they're around in a, in a certain situation where they need to be seen, they could turn it inside out and be bright orange okay. and not get shot like a hunter would. Yeah. So uh, he, they said that typically people would not ever wear it, and they thought it was uh, a lot of people at the time were like, that's not very, um, that's not Daniel's style, and it's weird to wear it out like hiking, but uh, it made like a fashion statement, and it was very memorable. It's a thing. Like people, when you Google it, it's a thing. Like people look for it. And Yeah, because I remember when we were watching it together, I was kind of looking at it, and I'm like, that's a neat jacket. Then you said, like, that's a neat jacket. And I'm like, okay. So. Yeah, I mean, a bright orange bomber jacket's cool as hell, and it had the pockets and stuff, so it didn't look inside out, So, but it, it was made uh-huh. to be able so you could flip it inside out, which is cool. Now, I probably will try to find a replica or something online, because <laughs> I, I want one, but... Uh, I want to. We can share one. Yay! Yeah, we're about the same size. So, yeah, Karate Kid 3, we're done with uh, the, at least, film trilogy of the Daniel Sun. Mm-hmm. Um you liked it so yeah now i'm on the cooper kai yeah so this is all just a plot to get three podcasts uh, uh i recorded three podcasts just to get nikki to watch cobra kai like the rest of america um <laughs> try to make it fun for me he's like you want to make it into a podcast series? right i'm not even gonna re- nikki doesn't even know i'm not even releasing these um <laughs> not even really recording right now i'm just letting her talk into a microphone <laughs> and i pretend let her think that she's, i'm putting them online um, but no, I don't know. Should we even like, obviously we're not going to go episode by episode, but maybe like, Oh, I mean, if you really need material, we can. <laughs> well, I was going to say just a season, like okay. come back at the end of season one of Cobra Kai and just, uh, cause That's fair and it, or yeah, I mean the whole season would be fine and just sort of talk about the connections and how, uh, uh-huh. cause I, I think you're going to love going into these fresh watching the movies. A lot, uh-huh. a lot of people I mean, you're seeing them for the first time, so that's a huge thing to you. Like, there's, I love it because there's not many people. A lot of people are going into Cobra Kai with nostalgia. Yeah. And um, I am too. I think Cobra Kai is is shit. I think the acting is pretty garbage. The writing's pretty garbage. But it's it's addicting for some reason. It's garbage TV, and that's okay. There's, I'm not. And before you freak out, like anybody listening uh, that defends it. Um, I like McDonald's once in a while. Like, there's there's something good about McDonald's that it's just it's good junk food and it you crave it and you sh- shove those fries in your mouth and it serves a quick um, pleasure. It gives you quick like gratification, instant gratification. But later you're sort of like you know not very good. Yeah, you can 
there's a difference between like good quality um art right. and then just stupid shit you enjoy right and this and to me it's like <laughs> the first karate kid is an actual film like it does uh-huh. have some crappy stuff but that performance from pat Morita that went that got him an oscar nomination it's it's pretty damn good uh the movie's really good it has good writing it's inspirational and then they were like this made a boatload of money we got to make another one and the second one's actually pretty cool because they brought in some culture and they took it to okinawa and they taught americans something about other cultures and sort of opened i mean it was like my brother was a kid when that came out and he adored those movies and that was like cool he wanted to learn about karate about okinawa about uh the culture the food everything you know and like that to me is if nothing else that's worth it and then you get to the third movie and it's like rich assholes with ponytails like (laughs) it's just to me it had like yeah it the third one just sort of sucked and and deflated but it is it is fine for what it is which is an 80s just a dumb 80s action movie but i would also i will say i like them in the order that they're released i like the first one best second one but second one's right up there with the first to me i i like the love interest i like some of the scenes better but i still like the first movie better i like the silky shirts on the villain (laughs) on the second movie that's what takes it over the top for you yeah i like his outfits (laughs) yeah but yeah i was gonna say like some people think i'm some movie buff because like we do the film festival i'm a i'm a judge and all that but then like i also have like a freddy got finger tattoo so it's you know it's if it you don't have to enjoy good things all the time. Right. You don't. Yep. It's whatever you enjoy. There's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. Right. That's that's a good thing to go by on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I I am very uh, strong about that, too. I'm like, just because something is... You can acknowledge something's garbage and still enjoy it. So, yeah. Uh, no guilty pleasures. Don't feel guilty unless you're like a nazi or a racist or something you should feel guilty about yeah uh, it's like, those I, pleasures. I, it's if like you... I love being racist it feels good you should feel guilty right that's a guilty pleasure that's Don't, a guilty pleasure that's not good you should feel <laughs> awful and really guilty yeah. but uh as far as consuming like simple stuff that's not considered great if you're some high school jerk going around bullying kids with your karate that's a guilty pleasure <laughs> Uh, silk shirts that button only to the chest, that's a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Uh, bad haircuts, like short little black ponytails. That's a guilty pleasure. Uh, having an assistant um, write down your uh, press release or whatever that was while he's in the bathtub. He had like an old lady. Oh, yeah. Writing down some like responses. Yeah, getting interviewed while he's in the bathtub. Right. Like, that's shit I want to do. Yeah, he's like answering the <laughs> phone and he's like... I don't care. Make it happen on the phone while he's in a bubble bath. He has people come in and it, I think the whole scene of like people coming in, he's in a bubble bath. Like, yeah, there's people coming and going all and the that's time. That's a very like nineties thing yeah, too. It's yep. like, I, you that's know, a, that's a show of, um, like wealth. Yeah. Like I take bubble baths and people work around me, which is like, if I'm comfortable. Yeah. I don't want people around me while I'm taking a, like a point of a bubble bath is to relax and not to like, I don't know. But, like, also... Like, I don't do business with my dick out. Sorry. (laughs) But, like, also... I don't know. Also, if I I have to take care of a stressful job, you know, wouldn't that help the situation of a nice bubble bath while... 
doing the job maybe <laughs> I, don't, I don't it's just weird just stop i'm glad that trend of like super, like showing su- superior oh, I can't, superiority superiority while in a bathtub doesn't really seem to be a thing anymore right <laughs> yeah we never got that scene of uh and breaking bad of him sitting in a tub like yes. selling meth or anything so yes yeah well, you know, 89, we were right on the verge of going into the 90s pretty bad. Mm-hmm. It has, it's like you said, it's a product of its time, but it's still enjoyable. Uh, it's still part of this trilogy. You can't really s- watch the first two and not watch the third one. There's some stuff to enjoy. It still has our, our leads and, you know, we still have a 27-year-old Ralph Macchio in the relationship with a 16-year-old. Still can't believe he's that old. I told and he's he- he's... Four months older than fucking Terry Silver. You know what he reminds me of, like, in this movie? Like, it's Michael Cera in Arrested Development. Like, the first season, he looks, like, very Like a baby, yeah. He looks like a baby. And Michael kind of looks like a baby. (laughs) Like, he kind of, like, reverse aging. Kind of has that, like, you know, like, baby fat. Uh Uh-huh. But then in other times, it's just, like... No, he looks older. Mm, no, he looks younger. It's just, yeah, it's confusing. It's confusing. It, I, it shouldn't be allowed to be that old and look that young. Yeah, well, the timeline is really weird, too, just because it does, it's supposed to be less, all these movies, the whole trilogy is supposed to take place within one calendar year, and it <laughs> takes place over five, so. Yeah. So it's it's tough, but um, Ralph Macchio doesn't really age. Pat Morita has looked old since he was. I think he was just born with gray hair. <laughs> um, yeah, that's Karate Kid three. Karate Kid three. We might be back for some Cobra Kai or the next Karate Kid or something, but um, don't hold your breath. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. thanks for listening to these uh, Karate Kids, and don't be an asshole. Don't uh, pick on anybody because they might train karate and kick your ass and beat yeah. you in the tournament and then haunt you for the rest of your life yeah you might become an alcoholic and beats up children outside of a gas station yeah um, but that will be on the cobra kai episode so yeah again uh thanks for listening nikki do you have any final words Honk. thanks again for listening to today's episode if you enjoy the show please leave a review on apple podcasts a special thank you goes out to my friend scott schreiner for our intro and outro music We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast.